Snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> oh shit! Hey. They killed the cops. Oh shit! Get out the car, man! Oh, man, this is the cop car. This is. Hello. You boys like Mexico? Yeah! Welcome back to another exciting episode. I'm your actual host, Dirk Mason, and with me always is Teddy Maxwell. Today on Personnel Files, we have more shenanigans from Teddy and I. In Pop Culture Corner, we have the 2006 film, The Departed. We will finish the episode with the call of the week. Stick with me for episode number seven of Two Cops and a Donut. And now, the donut of the week. Mmm, donuts. So, Teddy, you brought us the donuts this week. What do you got? I did. Uh, this comes from the recommendation of the one and only Dirk Mason. <laughs> he told me to go to this place. I was in the area, and he told me to go to OMG Donuts. OMG Donuts is located at 7355 Ralston Road in Arvada, Colorado, 80002. <laughs> I saw that they had good reviews, so... Yeah, they were five-star all, all around, all the way, so... Um, what is your opinion of them? <laughs> Okay, so I guess you kind of feel bad because I I don't understand how they have five stars. Do you? Mm-mm, I don't because, I mean, you'll see later in a picture we post, we're chomping down on some apple fritters again, and they weren't that good. No. And, you know, I'll begrudgingly say my donut of the week is going to be the buttermilk, which is good. It was a good donut, but, I mean, it's nothing special. I might try the vanilla cake, and that'll be my donut of the week. The vanilla cake. Yeah. Got it. Uh, how does this rank for you, Dirk? I mean, this is... It's beyond Dunkin's, dude. Dunkin's... You think it's better? No, no. It's way worse. It's all the yeah. way at the bottom. Yeah. I'd have to say the same. Um, so week one, we had Dunkin' Donuts. Week two, we had Krispy Kreme. Week three, we had Lamar's Donuts. Week four, we had Tasty Donuts. Week five, we had Laura's Donuts. Week six, we had... What did we have week six? the hell that was last week <laughs> yeah i don't remember uh where did you get them from oh fractured prune oh yeah <laughs> the fractured prune week six and week seven we have omg donuts or oh my god donuts mm-hmm. and it gets a huge oh my god not in a positive <laughs> way yeah oh my god so rank them dirk where is this where is this on your list i'm just gonna put everything's gonna stay the same and then omg is gonna go right to the bottom so dunkin donuts actually it's not at the bottom anymore. It's yeah. not last. Okay. Uh, I would have to agree. I'm going to say the first one is going to be the Fractured Prune, then Krispy Kreme, then Lamar's, then Tasty's, then Laura's, and then this. This is going to be the last one. This was no bueno. I wasn't pleased with this one. Let's just say if there was a Duncan, if I'm heading west on 70, <laughs> right towards the mountains, and there's an OMG and a Duncan's, and I have to get off the exit and go all the way down and like turn on the opposite side i will go to dunkin donuts first (laughs) yeah i agree and the buttermilk one uh just to give you an idea you know we usually describe them the buttermilk one is like more of a cake donut but it reminds me of the uh supermarket donuts you get from intimates like a regular vanilla with just loaded with like glaze and it just like falls apart in your mouth and 
not that it's bad it's just it's like pizza you know what i mean you're never gonna find a bad donut it's just it's not great it's not better than the others right yeah i would agree it's kind of dry it's nothing special dirk stuck his apple fritter into his coffee and the thing almost just disintegrated (laughs) so (laughs) i had to it was pretty dry so so omg i am sorry i apologize but we're gonna have to put you dead last this week dirk tell me what are you drinking today i have the bones flavor coffee french toast french toast which is a take on i would imagine it is a cinnamon flavored coffee yeah it's uh it's quite smooth actually there's no i thought there would be like a cinnamon bite to it but mm-hmm. it's it's really smooth yeah no i had a taste of it earlier and it's really good bones you know you, you never let us down when it comes to coffee i'm enjoying the chocolate orange right now mm. a chocolate orange is do you remember those oranges you get at christmas in your stocking they're like a chocolate orange they're yeah. in like some type of foil wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like smash it against the wall and then it would like break into slices. Yeah. I thought it would taste like that. And I hated chocolate orange growing up. I thought it was gross. This is not like that. It's very chocolatey with just a hint of orange, which is mm. good. Yum. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to try that one. And as always, you put a little vanilla creamer in there, a little sweetener, and it just brings out the flavor. It's so good. Uh, Bones. And Bones sent us a buttload of coffee this week. Yeah, thank so, you. For thank you, Bones, that. for doing that. Now, if you'd like to pick up a bag of Bones Coffee, you can go to www.bonescoffee.com. Bones Coffee not only has coffee, it has merchandise as well. They have pretty cool t-shirts, hats, mugs. Their mugs are dope, man. You seen those mugs? I'm still waiting for a shark bite one. I want to get one of those. Yeah, they just came out with the uh, Wonderkind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the pretzel flavored one. Yeah. Um, they, and that's a 16 ounce mug. It's a bigger mug. Ooh. So. I would highly suggest picking up one of those. Really, really holds a good cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. So. Are they handmade? Do you I know? believe so, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you again, Bones. And um, I can't wait. To, I want to try the mustachio. That came with it. And I, you said you had it, right? Yeah. I got a five sample pack and they sent me a two ounce bag of mustachio. And I'm not a real big nut fan in terms of like, I mean, I eat them because I'm a keto guy, mm-hmm. but you know, I just, I was not very pleased with, I don't like nuts basically, Okay. but pistachio is a pistachio flavored coffee and it is really good. Like, like the smell, like it's, is the correct word effervescent? <laughs> it just smells so good. And, um, I really enjoyed it. I, I already went through the two ounce bag. I went through it like immediately. What's that bag that they sent us? Um, actually I have it right here. Hold on. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. They sent us, uh, the barrel aged coffee and they told me you better have a coffee grinder to try it and so i think we should do that for our for our special yeah two hour special dirk went out and bought a coffee grinder if you go on our facebook and instagram it shows him grinding up uh, the whole bean jacto lantern yes and when you grind it up from the whole bean it is the smell is unbelievable it's overpoweringly pumpkin yeah i was surprised how much it like I mean, you get it in the, the bag that's already pre-ground, and it smells really good. But yeah. when I ground it, holy cow. I had to take a break. My nose was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it was super good. So, yeah, we'll try the barrel a- the bourbon barrel-aged coffee, grind that up for our two-hour special, and see how that goes. What do you think? Yeah, the two-hour Halloween special sounds good. Yeah, and obviously some Jack Doe Lantern, too. You know. You got it. We'll just have a, we'll down, like, three pots of coffee for you guys. We'll be super amped. So. I'm down. That is the Donut of the Week, and thank you Bones Coffee Company for sponsoring us, as always. What do we have next, Dirk? Let's go to Personnel Files. The Personnel Files. Stand by.
So, Teddy, uh, we got an email this week. I didn't read it. What is a, Do you want to read it for us? Sure. It's from Jim Gundog. Howdy, Dirk and Teddy. Just finished the last podcast and found them quite entertaining. You both sound like you've been doing this for years. Check out the naked gun from the files of the police squad. It's a bit <laughs> dated and kind of weird seeing it with OJ in it, but man, it gives me a laugh. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. The personnel files portion really takes me back to my army, street cop, and DHS days and how things have changed over the years. Keep on doing what you guys are doing, and I'll keep on spreading the word about your podcast. Cheers, Jim. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I appreciate the email. We always appreciate any type of positive reinforcement because we typically get negative <laughs> reinforcement over here. Yeah, our uh, jobs aren't really positive people that we deal with. Um, and yeah, check out uh, Gundog's YouTube channel. It's Gundog4314. And uh, he's, uh, like he said, army guy, and he reviews uh, MREs and different rations from around the world. Yeah, different food from different you know militaries around the world. Everyone has their own different meals ready to eat. We call them MRE, meal ready to eat. And he does reviews on, uh, so far, I've seen a bunch of different countries he'll get a, a ration from. And Did he send you one? Yeah, he did. He sent me a Canadian one. I heard the Canadian ones are really good. I saw a review with, uh, what's his name, Furious Pete? Okay, yeah. Where he was doing the American ones versus the Canadian ones, because Furious Pete's a Canadian guy. Yeah. And um, the Canadian one looked really good. I think it beat out the MREs, but he didn't have the good MREs either. No, his were like the commercial ones or whatever. He liked the vegetarian enchiladas (laughs) or some crap. He didn't have like Chili Mac or anything good. And you actually were saying that you don't mind him. Like a lot of people in the army say that they fucking hate him. Yeah, I think when you first start in the military, you like them because it's new it's different it's like oh wow this is really cool and then after a while you're like i can't stand it because they're so packed with preservatives it really really does a number in your digestive 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 system (laughs) jeez i'm crow (laughs) mall tongues today that's okay really does a number so a lot of people don't like them i enjoy them i think i hated them when i was in now i've you know grown to like them i'll have one every now and again when i go on hikes yeah well thanks jim again and i mean i appreciate the email if you anyone wants to email us feel free we'll read it on the show and any suggestions you guys have we'll definitely take into account and we'll try to put it on the show yeah uh naked gun love that series we'll definitely review that one that uh, could be uh i mean we're on our serious one now that departed so we could definitely just switch gears and go right to uh some leslie nielsen no i love those those <laughs> movies i totally did i gaffed it i never even thought about putting those in the comedy section for the the police movies so i didn't either what's that one where he uh he's on the run um shoot it's like they it's t- the fugitive <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i forget what it's called but that's my favorite one sure yeah that was a good one <laughs> so what do we have next dirk go to your personnel files what do you got for us well, we had selection last week, which is Special Forces Assessment and Selection. And following that, what you typically do when you're in the qualification course to become a Green Beret, your next cycle, especially if you're an 18 X-ray, I want to explain that an 18 X-ray is basically a person that comes in off the street and they sign the contract to, and the only thing the contract guarantees is that you will get an opportunity to go to selection and try out. Okay. So if you fail, you go to the normal army. If you make it past selection, you continue on in the course. Well, the next step in the course is called combat leader training. That's three weeks long. And what the army did was in order to go from a private or a specialist to a sergeant to promote, you have to do two courses. You have to do the warrior leader course, WLC, and you have to do BNOC, which is the basic non-commissioned officer course. A lo- that's a, a lot of acronyms. You just that's the military in general. Like, God, that's so annoying sometimes. Yeah, it's like WMA, like wipe my ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, everything's an acronym in the Army. 
So SWIC, the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School, that's where all the training goes through for the special forces. And what they thought was, they're like, wow, we have a lot of privates and specialists coming into the army trying to be Green Berets. How do we get them through WLC and BNOC? They're like, well, we can't. So they made their own little course called the Combat Leader Training, which is a combination of WLC and BNOC, basically. Okay. It's three weeks long. Following... Following selection, you know, we had a good amount of time off. We get to go home. We got to pack up our stuff, bring it to Fort Bragg to continue our training. So we had a good amount of time off. I think I went to California and I just drank my tits off for like (laughs) three weeks and just got super fat. Didn't work out at all. And the first thing we did when we got to combat leader training, CLT, was take a PT test. Oh, and it was rough. I think I came in weighing like 222 pounds. I was just, I I felt like Cartman running. It was like... Like the two mile was, it was bad. I think I ran it in 13 and a half minutes, which was, was bad for me at the time. And I barely made it. I was just sucking wind. You said you came in at what weight? 220? 220 something. Yeah. What do you normally weigh? So they could get a judge of like how much. Well, when I was in the army, I was somewhere in like the 200, 195, 200 range. Okay. Cause you know, you ruck a lot, you run a lot. You know. <laughs> 25 pounds of oh, yeah. beer. And- <laughs> just gross, just <laughs> filthy, disgusting human being. So following that, we were like, okay, we're going to get some basic you know non-commissioned officer training and what they did was is they stuck us with a bunch of green berets and it was like a fucking frat house it was like animal house without any of the goddamn like charm it was really bad it was just basically they just hazed us for three weeks there was no training no learning i remember one night one of the instructors came into our our rooms at like 9 p.m with a trash can full of shell casings Mm mm-hmm and he had us divide them up. There were nine millimeter, 40 and 45. I guess he and his buddies went to the range and he had us divide them up and stand them up in perfect lines and like groups of like 10. Yeah. And we had like 5,000 or something. The whole floor was just covered in perfectly uniform shell casings. And I mean, what's the purpose of that? Just well, busy it was, work? The thing with CLT is that it was just one of those things that the Special Warfare Training Center and School, uh, excuse me, the Special Warfare Center and School had to put us through. So there was really no curriculum to it. Okay. You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, we'll pay lip service to this whole WLC knock thing. We'll put them through this and this will allow them the opportunity to promote when they become Green Berets. Because, for example, just to give you an example, there's no, uh, what? I just think it's like, it's like statistics in college. You don't really need it. Sure. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. As soon as you take it, you're going to lose it. Right. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. It was a complete waste of time. And, um, to become a Green Beret, you, the minimum rank you have to be is a sergeant in E5, enlisted five pay grade. That's basically how they did it. They did stupid things. They got us into like a boxing ring and we had to box each other. Yeah. I ended up breaking like my best friend's nose. I felt really bad. Yeah. Yeah, It was stupid. Uh, What else did we do? We went for like 12 mile runs. It was just really dumb. I wish I had more like it. Like wish it was structured. It just wasn't. You know what I mean? What is the most like memorable thing about that that you can remember or that you took away from it? The most memorable <laughs> thing was Michael Jackson died when we were there. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Michael Jackson died. So they put uh, they got us outside at like two a.m. in formation and they put Thriller on and we had to do the Thriller dance for like <laughs> forty five minutes straight. <laughs> That'd be the most memorable part, but those guys were just assholes. They didn't teach us anything. It was a huge waste of time. I, you know, I begrudgingly made it through. And then during the, uh, you, at the end of every course you do in the military, you do a AAR, basically an after action review where you write like your critiques of the course. Right. And I just slammed them. Like, just like, <laughs> this is garbage. This is such a waste of time. 
And they're not supposed to see that. It's supposed to go straight to the commander. Mm -hmm. Well, they just took them all and started reading them, and they'd call out everyone that Uh didn't like what they had to say. It was really dumb. Because they weren't going to change it anyways. They weren't going to change it anyways. It was really dumb. Uh, To get that assignment in Special Forces, because those were all Green Berets. To get that assignment, I mean, it was easy. Right. Like, I think they did 17 days on, 17 days off, or something like that. I mean, super easy position, and those guys were just fucking terrible. Jeez. Yeah, so that's all I got to say about uh, combat leader training. Three weeks, three of the dumbest weeks of my life. Didn't learn anything new. I, <laughs> I think I lost some weight, though. <laughs> I feel like I'm Billy Madison. Everyone is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> oh, I felt like saying that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you got to think, too, like, if you end up in, you know, going to special forces, like, these are the guys you're going to be with. Uh, so, yeah. and that was the thing a lot of those guys didn't understand. While they were, had power over us in the Q course, they, I don't think a lot of these guys realized that eventually we were going to be on teams in special forces and we would remember that shit. Right. Because there's a difference between being like a hard ass because you're trying to train, teach, and, you know, do all that stuff. Yeah. And there's a difference between that and just being an asshole. So guys remember that stuff. And that's why you have a lot of guys fighting once they got to group. Yeah, so, I would say. So that's CLT. Up next, we have Dirk Mason. What do you got for us this week, Dirk? So, Teddy, I talked about like the shortcuts in, in the academy, how you make your bed, how you get past like, you know, sleeping on top of it. And sure. How we're getting smoked all the time, stuff that we did. So I wanted to turn it around and kind of talk about the positive things uh, that I remember in the academy. The few, the very few and far between. Well, it's weird because I look back now, since I've been through two police academies, and I've seen more positives in my first one compared to our second one that we went through together. Okay. And I have a list here. Or just a couple things but um like making friends obviously that's a positive in both academies one of the things that is a positive in the first one that wasn't <laughs> what the fuck is so funny <laughs> it's just i imagine like first day of kindergarten <laughs> i like your backpack <laughs> she knows you some cool shoes <laughs> velcro shoes just like <laughs> like that making friends <laughs> So, no, not like that. Um, (laughs) Jeez, you almost made me lose it there. Um, No, like, I mean, you obviously, you make friends when you meet people. I mean, I just moved from another state, so I didn't know anybody. Right. And they're just throwing me in with 70 random people. So maybe if you have an awkward meeting, yeah, like your baton or something, but... (laughs) Uh, no, uh, and then another positive thing was, like, I saw was we got to run outside all the time in Santa Fe. In, like, that's very mountainous, isn't it? Over yeah. There? Like, a lot of canyons and stuff like that, or am I thinking incorrectly? <clears throat> no, it's very mountainous. We're, like I said before, we're at, like, 7,800 elevation. Right. So, it, you're up there, and you would run outside, or we would run outside maybe, like, f- at a minimum four miles a day. Right. Four to eight miles, maybe. And so, that was always fun. Uh, we'd run through the arroyos. Do mm-hmm. you know what an arroyo is? No, what is that? It's like a dried, <clears throat> excuse me, riverbed. There's like a ton of them in New Mexico. Like where Mufasa died in The Lion King, where he fell he fell into like a dry <laughs> riverbed. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to give the listeners a picture of what that looks like. Yeah, it's just, it's like complete like sand. Right. And did you ever do, I'm, I'm assuming you did the cadences in the military. Sure, yeah, yeah. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, um, you know, do you want me to sing it or? <laughs> no, do you remember what it was titled or anything? No, like, we had a bunch, man. We had the SpongeBob one. We had, you know, 64 Rangers going down the strip. <laughs> so, C-130 yeah. one thirty on a one-way trip. Yeah, so Mission we. Mission top secret destination <laughs> unknown, et cetera, et cetera. Right. 
So we did those as well because my director was uh, an army colonel. Oh, okay. And so he made us come up with our own. Oh, nice. And uh, he helped us start one. I can't remember what it was, but like I was telling you, my good friend, Geo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he made up his own, and I'm assuming that this came from his uh, days in the, He's a Marine the Marines. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he did a milkshake. <laughs> what, my milkshake brings on the boys? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's awesome. So that was like one of the things, like anytime you got out of the a class, like a class setting and you got to go run, that was awesome. Even though, I mean, you went in the summer, so it was probably scorching hot. You know, and being at elevation though, like being outside and stuff, it wasn't that bad. Like there were days that it was super hot because right. our, what do you call them, BDUs that we were wearing, they were all black. So okay. that sucked. And I don't know if you know this or I didn't tell you this, but... When I was in the academy there in Santa Fe, we did, uh, we had to have, we had to be in our, like, full gear every day. So, BDUs, hat, or they call cover. Yeah, uh, military too, yeah. <laughs> yep, and then we had our gun belts and everything. The only thing we didn't have that was, like, real on our gun belts was gun and taser. We didn't, okay. we weren't allowed to carry those, but handcuffs, baton, all that stuff, we were, you know, full load. Right. So, uh, and that's a difference between that academy and... And this one that we went through, what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we didn't start wearing our <clears throat> duty belts until, like, the last, like, week or two. Yeah, which like, was very surprising to it me. It was very weird. I, I've seen the new recruits. They wear it most of the academy. It's not, like, the one we went through. Because when we got out onto field training, I didn't even know. Like, my uniform, like, it was felt, like, foreign. You know right. what I mean? It did not feel comfortable. I felt like I'd never worn it before. And when you're putting body armor on and wearing, like, a 30-pound belt, I mean, it just it doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why they stuck it on us right in the beginning is just so we'd get used to it. Did they show you how to like put everything on your belt? Did they have like a class on how to do that, or was it just like figure it out on your own? Or basically, the I think it was according to city sure. policy that you would have to have gun belt or a gun on one side, obviously right or left handed, right. and then certain things had to be on either the right or the left. You couldn't have your taser right next to your gun it had to be a cross draw oh, okay so going from there you would set up your belt the way that you wanted to right, and the way right. it was comfortable so about the arroyos it was funny because some guy told me a story in the academy about them saying that there was like an old mexican wise tale of this lady that would be in the arroyos like running around screaming for her children and shit it really freaked me like out like a ghost yeah oh jesus so like when i worked uh, when I got out of the academy and went and worked, like, they kept that rumor going. And, like, it was weird because you would think, like, people, like, yelling or something out. And, like, it would be quiet 2 a.m. in the morning and you hear, like, a scream or something. You're like, oh, God, it's, it's what's her name? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, where are you? <laughs> it's completely not spooky. It's just fucking annoying. Right. <laughs> No, that was one of the things that I remember from the Academy, too, is the one guy was, I'll have to look up uh, what the name of it is and bring it on the next one, but there's a name that this lady had, and she's, like, looking for her children or something, screaming in the middle of the Royos. It was creepy. Yeah, I want to definitely hear that, for sure. What were some other positive aspects of it? Positive things that I can remember, too, were just after you got to know people in the Academy, like the downtime after the instructors left. Because you said, what time did they leave? Like 4? Four? 4.45. You know, after the academy were, was going for a while. Yeah, they want to go home too. They don't want to be there all the time. They stop giving a shit. You know, they don't want to smoke you anymore. They just want to go home and be with their families. So right. sometimes it would be 3, 3.30 after. Like, you know how I told you we ate lunch at, what, like 3? Yeah. <laughs> or no, sure. ate dinner at 3, sorry. 
they would go home after that. And they'd just be like, hey, go back to your room and study. So four o'clock came around and we were on our own until bedtime. We just, it would kind of suck that we had to stay there, but it was cool that we just, you know, hung out with our friends and go to the gym, work out. Like I told you, we snuck in protein and, you know, Kill Cliff energy drinks. They started eventually allowing that. Um, they stopped caring about like, you know, they start making you feel like a cop. Yeah, sure. And then at the very end of the academy, they would, I think it was like the night before we graduated, everything else went to shit. They were just like, they woke us up at 2 a.m. and they're like, grab your bed. And I was like, what? So I had to grab uh, my- God damn it, I'm getting ready to graduate. Get out of this bitch. <laughs> I know. I gr- So I had to grab my mattress and the, so three people, you're running with three different people. So you mm-hmm. grab two other people, grab your mattress, and then we did a five mile run with a mattress over our head. It's so dumb. Sucked. And that was just their last little Oh, hazing that yeah, they could do. Screw yeah. you. Sure. Most positive thing though is after that, after we did our five mile run with the bed over our head, the director, Jack Jones, took us over to the police memorial wall at the academy and he says, Look, you don't want to end up here. The reason why we do this in the academy is teach you and prepare you or to try to prepare you for everything that you're going to encounter, which is not true. You're not going to see everything in the academy that you're going to see out on the street. It's just not possible. But I thought it was a good aspect. He took us over to the wall and he said, you know, you don't want to be here. Try to, you know, try to learn from all what we taught you here in the academy to prepare yourself for life out on the street as a police officer. I don't see the correlation with carrying a mattress over your head for well, five miles and doing that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, but I mean, I guess it was just because, I don't know. I have no idea. It sounds like tradition or something. Yeah. I do that the last time. That must have sucked. Yeah. Wow. So, so is that the end of the police academy for Dirk? Yeah, I mean, I could bring back some of the stuff, like little tidbits that I remember, because I'm not going to remember it all. It was almost six years ago. So. Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, we'll stop it for for now, and then if I remember something, I'll bring it up uh, in some personnel files down the road. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. That was really cool. Yeah. So, Dirk, what do we have next? In Pop Culture Corner, we have The Departed. The Departed. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this one. Stand by. When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? This is not the regular police. This is the state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. You have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. I'm gonna have my associates search you. That was quick. Think he's dead already? Get your hands off me! I think we could work something out. We are all convinced that Costello has at least one mole inside the Special Investigations Unit. There are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. Man, you are trouble. You don't know the half of it. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Getting the feeling we got a cop in my crew. Soon a lady's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. There is no faith you are. 
There is a leak from the inside. It's real, man. Smoke him out. Lying to me. There are things you don't want to know about. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? How's your mother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act accordingly. The Departed is a 2006 crime drama thriller. Undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating the Irish gang in the South Boston area. Teddy, uh, this is your area, man. Oh, Southie. So I decided <laughs> to do this part of the, the podcast all in my Boston accent. It's going to be so tight. <laughs> Ooh, man, uh, the lineup for this movie when it was coming out in 2006, I about wet myself. Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen. I mean, who else? You got Anthony Anderson, Alec Baldwin. Like, there's a ton of people in this. I love it. Yeah, you know, for a relatively small budget, it's listed at $90 million. They got pretty much every, almost every A-list actor in Hollywood to be in this movie. Yeah, and did you hear uh, Al Pacino was rumored to be in Jack Nicholson's spot? Yeah, didn't you say something along the lines of uh, Al Pacino, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise were all slated at one point to be in this movie? That would have been fucking terrible. I, I don't think it would have been terrible. I think they would have done okay. Uh, you know, Maybe they would have butchered the goddamn Boston accent worse than Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Leo, and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I just can't see Al Pacino, man. He's just... I don't know. I... People are probably going to have an opinion of me because I say that I don't like him, but I don't. I don't like him as an actor. Yeah, and he, uh, Al Pacino is going to play Costello, uh, Jack Nicholson's character. That's what he was sub- yeah. slotted to do. I think Nicholson did it really well. Oh, yeah. So Okay, first thing that jumps out to me, I'm going to just throw it out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> the goddamn absurd Boston accents. So, you got family connections down in Southie, right? Through your father? Why don't you tell us about your Uncle Jackie? He was a carpet layer for Jordan Marsh. Uncle Jackie was a small-time bookie who attended bar at the Vets in Somerville. And you would think that Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon, being from the Boston area, would be able to nail it down. I just think they way overdid it. Now, I read something that they, or Mark Wahlberg, did his actual accent, or he, when he was doing it, they actually had to have him stop because they were going to have to add in subtitles because they couldn't understand him. You can't. Him. Yeah, and a real like Boston accent, a real heavy one, is like that. I, you know, I recall years ago when I was visiting Boston when I was in the Army, running into a friend of mine who was a bodybuilder, and he, you know, I asked him, hey, how's it going? How's prep? You know, et cetera. And he says, well, you know, prep's going good, but I haven't gotten to my statues yet. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what's a, what's a starch? And, and then I came to realize he was saying starch. Oh. Yeah, like for his diet or whatever. And it was like, I mean, it was goddamn like Gaelic or something. I couldn't understand (laughs) goddamn what these people are fucking saying. I mean, you being from Massachusetts, what do you think? What's the worst part about the accent that you notice in the movie? It's, you know, I was recently in Boston in July and it's thick, but it's just not that overdone. You know what I mean? Like the way they say certain words, it's just, it seems like they're just trying way too hard to just like really lay it on thick. Like you know? the departed, the many, departed. many departures. I think Nicholson was, was probably the worst. No ticky, no laundry. 
I just don't think he got it. I think then Leo's is pretty bad. I think Damon and Wahlberg did okay, but I still think theirs was overdone too. Yeah. So let's get into some actual storyline of this movie. <laughs> so I guess it starts with Matt Damon's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's character going to the police academy, the state troopers academy. Right. And Matt Damon is a lifelong friend with the head of the Irish mob, who's supposed to be basically played after James Whitey Bulger mm-hmm. from the uh, Park Hill gang in South Boston, like the real one. You right. Know? So Matt Damon's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's character, they both graduate the Massachusetts State Troopa Academy, <laughs> and they both get their assignments. So tell me about that, Dirk. Assigned a detective right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. I've got notes on that one. That Just to tell you how fucking absurd that is. Why would you... What do you have to offer fresh out of the academy? As a detective. As a detective. You don't even know how to pull a goddamn traffic stop, let alone investigate (laughs) anything. You don't even know how to write a a ticket, (laughs) let alone know how to write an affidavit or anything. Do you... Is that true? Do you know? I mean... I don't think so. Why would you do that? They have plenty of officers that are probably waiting in line to become detectives and narcotics, you know, detectives and things like that. I I don't see why you would just pull someone fresh out of the academy. Well, you've seen stuff in like the FBI and stuff like that where they ask for certain, they want a finance degree and this and this and this and these people aren't, they're probably not the best person fit for the job, but they get it. You know what yeah, I mean? Fresh out of the like out of the academy. I don't see what they they would have to offer. It makes no sense. Now it's different for Leonardo DiCaprio's character because Leonardo DiCaprio's character in this, his family was really really big into crime in the South Boston projects. So right. they figured they could use him kind of as a mole to get into the Irish mob because the Irish mob is linked to his family. Yeah, and he knows a little bit about being a police officer, and he has to report directly to uh, what Sergeant Dignam in. Captain Queen and Captain Queen and <laughs> I love those names. Um, so Leo, Leo's that's different because Leo's character that's a very specific thing he can do, and that's only because of where he grew up. Yeah, and Mark Wahlberg says it in the movie where he's like, "Hey, you, it's not going to change your lifestyle. This is what you grew up in. So sure. just yeah, do yeah. it." Yeah, you're just you've been acting your whole life. Go on and just continue doing it. So Leonardo DiCaprio's character ends up infiltrating the Irish mob. And Matt Damon's character, they're unknowing of each other, ends up being a mole inside the Massachusetts State Troopers for Costello and the Irish mob. Frank Costello, Jack Nicholson's character, knew Matt Damon's character growing up as a young child. Yeah, it sounds like he was somewhat of a mentor father figure to him because he said he lived with his aunt. He didn't really have a dad around, so he became that figure for him and... Even though he's extremely intelligent, Matt Damon's character, I think, has like a really, really high IQ and he's extremely sharp. I think he just has that like, you know, I'm going to do this for Frank Costello because he was basically my dad growing up. Right. What else? Uh, other um, than, I guess. Well, uh, I'm going to go off that a little bit. You know, for someone being so intelligent, I would say that Matt Damon's character, to me, is extremely unintelligent. Like, how do you figure you're going to get away with that much corruption? As if you have any type of intelligence in police work, you're going to know. If you are a corrupt police officer, you will eventually get caught. And he doesn't have enough... Of, I mean, he's a sergeant, right? Or no? Who knows? The guy's basically like a goddamn lieutenant fresh out of the academy. Yeah. Well, and they don't give a very good time lapse either. And we talked about that. Of yeah. how long Leonardo DiCaprio's character is undercover to how long it takes, you know, when Matt Damon, the only thing they mess up is that he's assigned to plain clothes right out of the right gate. Right out of the gate. <laughs> I love that. Congratulations to all our new troopers. Thank you. You are dismissed. 
Sullivan, assign the plain clothes right out of the gate. Yeah. Congratulations. Right. We're gonna go out for beer. You wanna come? No, no, I'll catch up with you guys. I think it's supposed to be like two years it's... from when they graduate the academy until the end. Okay. I think. I'm again. You, yeah. They didn't really explain the timeline that well. I mean, shit, it could be five years, but I don't know. But then he eventually becomes in charge of a a surveillance under like under uh it's, what is it sir is it a surveillance unit yeah he works his way up through you know the massachusetts state troopers into some investigative unit where i think they're actually trying to find they feel that the massachusetts state troopers has a mole within the state troopers who's matt damon who's in charge of the investigative unit to find the mole the mole so he's looking for himself, right. essentially. And he keeps feeding Jack Nicholson's character, Frank Costello, a lot of intelligence on what's going on. And Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who's really smart, too, is you know doing counterintelligence. And it's, it's cool. It was a really cool movie. Like The storyline's awesome. Yeah, I think the best part about it is that the way Leonardo DiCaprio played his character, and I was reading about how he did it, is he just tried to make it seem like he was the most uncomfortable person ever all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like how so? I can't remember the specifics, but he just tried to make it to seem like that he was irritated, he was uncomfortable, and he just didn't feel good. So, like, and you can see it, how he plays. He's always, like, rubbing his head, and he's just, like... He's not there mentally at all because he's so far deep undercover. Like he just wants to throw up. Like he goes into his the therapist office. Therapist office. Sure. And he's just like I puked in a trash can, you know, on the way over here because he can't even sit still. Like he's so deep undercover. Look, I'm having panic attacks. All right. The other night I thought I was having a fucking heart attack. I puked in a trash barrel on the way over here. I haven't slept for fucking weeks. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. All right. I said something fucking true. I want some fucking pills. He's yeah, scared. I, I think he it's court mandated therapy he has to go to for basically him getting kicked out of the academy is part of his like probation to go. So he's still playing the character of a guy that has to he's on probation. He's got to go see the therapist. But I'm with you on that. I think that he gets to the point where he is, that's real. Like him saying, I threw up in a trash can. Like he's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And he was like, I want pills. I want, you know, something to help me with my anxiety. And that's like a real thing. That's not him. You said he's so undercover that it's part of who he is at that point. Right. And another thing too is that like I noticed he's, I don't know how to explain it. But when he's with, he's with Jack Nicholson, he still has that like character I don't know how to describe it. We'll just get it. Well, his character, the way he's playing it uh, with Jack Nicholson. So Mark Wahlberg brings it up in their initial interview that he went to Deerfield Academy, which is, I believe Deerfield's a one-year post-graduate academy from high school. I think you're like 18 to 19 years old. I can't, it's somewhere in Massachusetts. I had some friends that went there. Okay. I, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, and he goes, you hit your gym teacher with a folding chair at Deerfield. He okay. mentions that, so that that's also another reason why it plays into his, like, he has a temper. He's a very hot-tempered person, so the character he plays to Jack Nicholson is this loose cannon that doesn't care what happens to him. Like, he know, I know who you are, you're Frank Costello, I don't care. Right, yeah, and that's what I was trying to get at, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. I love his character, and I wish he would have won an award for it, but he who didn't. won? Someone, I, well, okay, so let's get to the awards here, okay? Mm-hmm. We can get back to that in a second. Shockingly, years 2006, this movie comes out. Shockingly, this is Martin Scorsese's first Academy Award. Right. Dude, Marty Scorsese did Casino, and he did probably one of the best movies of all time, which was Goodfellas. Right. Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci. And this is his first time. I don't know what movies won that year. 
to beat them because I believe Casino was 95 and Goodfellas was 91. I don't know what movies beat them that year, but they must have been hella good movies because those were two, those are two of my favorite all-time movies. Yeah, it just says that Leonardo had a nominee for a Golden Globe. Was Sorry. like every fucking actor in that movie a nominee for something because they all did awesome. Yeah, I think they they were, but none of them none of them won um, except for Martin Scorsese. Yeah, because he won the Academy Award. I know that for Best Director. Yeah, and then it won the Oscar. It was an Oscar winner for Best Motion Picture of 2007. But okay, no, I just I was very surprised that Leo didn't win anything because you see. I mean, you can look at his character and see how fucked up it is. No, it is, it's fucked up. I, I think the problem is, is and it, this was a little bit with, like, Blood Diamond, too, was, like, his accents and his, like, they're kind of cartoonish. Blood Diamond bit. was, uh, I think, he, way worse. He had a South African accent, and it just sounded like shit. <laughs> and in this one, he has the, like, the Southie accent. It's just, like, I don't think he does a good job with it. Although I think he played the part really well. It's just, I think... It comes off a little cartoonish to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, with the all-star cast, you're thinking Damon Wahlberg, Alec Baldwin, Martin Sheen, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, and all these guys, and not one of them won an Academy Award. Yeah. That's fucking insane. This is one of those movies I can watch annually. I'll watch it like at least once a year, sometimes like two or three times a year, and it doesn't get old. Right. Unless you watch it on like FX and they bleep out. I mean, we looked up... (laughs) Let's talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We looked up uh, how many F-words they say in this film. It's like in the 500s, I think. Yeah, yeah. They have a a compilation on YouTube I would highly suggest going to where I believe it's every F-word in the entire movie. Yeah, it's called the fucking short version of The Departed. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the gratuitous use of the F-word is absolutely (laughs) insane. Yeah. We'll play a short clip of it. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Fucking. Fuck you. Fucking quiz. Fucking homos. Fucking fuck yourself. Fucked. Fucking fucked up the fucking. Fucking fucking the fucking dog. Fucking fucking motherfucking fucking shit. Fucking 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 fuck yourself. Uh, we have Leonardo DiCaprio. We'll get back to it. We have Leonardo DiCaprio. We have Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon's in charge of finding himself, essentially. Yep. Leonardo DiCaprio is deep undercover looking for the mole within the... Massachusetts Massachusetts State, State Troopers. And he's basically the mole inside the Irish mob. Yes. Uh, working in the specialty unit. Now, they have one thing in common, the two of them, and they don't know they have one thing in common, and that is Vera Farmiga's uh, character. Yes. So explain who she is to me, Dirk. Well, she is the, I guess, hired-in psych for the state troopers, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I think she does the court-mandated psychological sessions with, you know, police officers. Right, and I can't remember how Matt Damon... Oh, Matt Damon met her in the elevator. Yeah. And he he goes, uh, what does he say? I, I don't need your card. And then he goes, ah, give me the fucking card. I need it. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Yeah, basically, I'm a cop. I'll find you. And then he goes, no, no, fucking, I need that cat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he meets her, and then they show the progression of how they start. They, God, they did a good job of doing that in such a short, like, little clips. Yeah. Maybe three or four clips, and you, you get the point that they are, like, first date into serious dating. Now they live together, and they're in love. Yeah. Sort of. Calls her on the phone. Hey, I saw a dead guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I need to see you for lunch. Yeah. Oh, um, I like that. They did a short, like you said, a sma- almost smash cuts for that. Yeah. And they had to because, I mean, it's a long movie. You know, it's over two hours. Yeah. But they had to show the, I mean, there's so much going on. They had to show the progression of Matt Damon basically living his double life. That's where his double life really comes in. Or triple life, actually. We'll call it triple life because he's got the girlfriend who doesn't know about 
Frank Costello. He's yep. got the job with the Massachusetts State Troopers, and he has his life in the Irish mob. So then, how does Leo enter the picture in her life, and what happens between Leo and Vera Farmiga? So he goes in to see her because it's court mandated, and he he's the last patient of the day, and he just basically flips out on her and says, you know, I tell you the truth, and only the truth, so he could get help. I thought I was supposed to tell the truth here, you if are. only fucking you here. You are, Christ, yes. I mean, a guy okay. comes in here against every, every instinct of, of privacy, of self-reliance that he has, and what do you do? What do you do, huh? You send him off on the street to score smack? Is that what you do? You're fucking ridiculous. Two pills? Great. Why don't you just give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to blow my fucking head off? Are we done here with this psychiatry bullshit? You know what? You what, can what the leave. fuck did I just put myself through? I'm fucking out of here. Hey, what if that was a legitimate threat? Think about it, fucking hot shot. And sure. she like blows up on him and he wants pills and stuff like that, but she won't give it to him. She gives him what, two pills? And he's yeah. like, well, give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun <laughs> to blow my fucking head off. And uh, he, so he leaves and then she eventually gives him what he wants. What so what do you think in terms of, okay, so she's the psychologist. Yeah. I, I think, you know, her, she became a psychologist to actually help people. Right. But you kind of find after she comes up and talks to him, there's a little bit of an attraction there. Maybe yeah. a little bit of the, like the, like, I can fix this guy, you know, aspect of like the, he's the loose cannon. Maybe I can do something to fix him. But um, also like she likes the danger in it all. Yeah. And I think that the way that she has the relationship with Matt Damon mm-hmm. and how they were talking and then she sees Leo, she's seeing two bad guys. Like he's kind of like, Hey, I, I need drugs to stay going through my life. And he's like talking about arresting her or something like I don't know. He's kind of, she gets a vibe from Matt Damon that he's bad initially, I think. I, th- I think I disagree. I th- actually really? think that she gets the stability because she doesn't know anything of that. Like Matt Damon's super charming. He's funny. He's got a steady job. He said he's studying law at Suffolk University nights. Yeah. So I think that's her, sta- like this is the stable guy. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to marry the stable guy that has a good job. And then I think... DiCaprio represents the exact opposite of that, and she's just like really attracted to him, physically at least. Well, all he does is ask for, you want to go for a cup of coffee? Yeah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Like, I, I think, you know, at that point in the movie, I think she was still trying to, I can reach out to this guy, I can help him. Right. And then she develops, he starts asking her about her relationship with Matt Damon, and I think she just develops that bond with him, and then it turns into physical eventually, which it was shocking to me, because she seems so, like, level-headed, and then she ends up sleeping with Leo and going behind Matt Damon's back. And there's a little bit of, I believe, some sexual issues going on in the relationship. It's, it's mentioned very, very briefly. Yeah, that and Matt I, Damon has issues. Matt Damon has issues being intimate with her, and then I think she gets that, like, animalistic, like, connection with Leo. Right. So... How does this all end? What's the ending of this? Man, I don't want to give it away, but mm-hmm. it's because I'm sure everybody's seen it. It's been on FX like a million billion times. Yeah, it's literally like I think FX owns the rights to it and they just put that shit on repeat. Yeah. So eventually they end up like getting so close to each other that they almost catch each other. Yeah. And then towards the very end, Matt Damon's character tells him to follow Captain Queen and for no reason just mm-hmm. to stay off his back. And it all comes together with a lot of people getting shot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people getting killed. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, do you want to give it away? I yeah, I mean, think. we're doing the whole thing. You yeah. know, we assume people have seen it, and we're just giving our thoughts on it. So yeah, I mean, so they're coming down. Uh, Leo 
Leonardo DiCaprio arrested Matt Damon, mm-hmm. and he he's going to take him in as an undercover guy. But Matt Damon says, "I erased you." So yeah, because there's only two people, Queenan and uh, Dignam, that yeah. know that he is a police officer. It's that deep, yeah. right? So it's he's trying to take him in, and eventually gets he gets shot, and then Matt Damon shoots the guy that shot Leo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the elevator. Big. Sure, goes around, comes back, and then. Sergeant Dignam, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, knows Matt Damon's the mole mm-hmm. and eventually shoots him and kills him. In the yeah, it ends up being this almost Goodfellas-esque thing where people are just getting wiped out, like dying one by one by one by one. And then at the end, it's it's kind of a surprise. It's like Sixth Sense-ish, you know, yeah. in terms of just like, you think Matt Damon is cool, you know, and clear, you know, he's like, I attempted to subdue Trooper Barrigan, at which time he drew down on me. And I was able to squeeze off one shot and uh, strike him in the head. Uh, at that time, I immediately checked the vitals on both Troopers Brown and Costigan and discovered that they had expired. I just want to go on record. I'm recommending William Costigan for the Medal of Merit. I want to go on record and recommend Billy Costigan for the Medal of Merit. <laughs> And he's going to move on with his life. Vera Farmiga kicked him to the curb because she had this inkling that some shit was going on and he was crooked. And then uh, Mark Wahlberg gets the last laugh and uh, White takes him out. And then that's kind of the end. It was good. It, it came full circle and everyone got their comeuppance. And I didn't watch any of the special features for the film at all. I know that they filmed most of it in New York. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Instead of Boston. But man, I there's nothing really... I mean, other than the accent, there's nothing I have to say about the film that's negative. I like it. I can watch it. I could watch it multiple times a year. Yeah, I love that movie. So that's probably one of my favorite like serious cop movies of all time. I was glad you brought that one up. Yeah. So what would you give it out of? I mean, we've ranked some movies already, but uh, you said all time favorite. I mean, is it a ten out of ten for cop movies? All time cop. All time. Yeah. Serious. I, I'm funny, giving. I'm giving everything. that a ten out of ten. I can't think of a better serious cop movie than that yeah i can't either i mean we just did end of watch and what would you rank that compared to watch was like nine out of ten or ten out of ten too as well different movie obviously um different type of movie david ayers does that film he films it completely different but yeah i'm giving that one like nine out of ten and departed like ten out of ten for the storyline yeah i got an 8.5 on imdb i mean i'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 too there's no there's nothing negative about it i think all the characters did a phenomenal job in their position. So Sure, yeah. So, next week on Pop Culture Corner, we're going to take Jim's advice. Oh. And we're going to go with Naked Gun, Files from the Police Squad. <laughs> <laughs> with O.J. Simpson. Yeah, starring Simpson. Leslie Nielsen uh, and O.J. Simpson. So, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. I actually haven't seen that movie in a dog's age. It's been a long time. Do you know I have O.J. Simpson's rookie card? Do you really? I do. That's Crazy. awesome. <laughs> uh, Other than the fact that he's, you know... <laughs> A murderer. <laughs> eh, no yeah. big deal. Well, uh, we're going to uh, call of the week. Yes, we have call of the week. We're going to have Lisa and Dirk present the call of the week. Oh, okay. Uh, stick with Stand us. Stand by. So we're here with the call of the week with Lisa Mason. Hello. <laughs> so we were actually together on this. Right. <laughs> Can you start us off? I'll let you tell a. I'll let you tell the story. I'll be the interviewer. Ooh. 
a little switcheroo here. Yeah. Doing switcheroos all week long. (laughs) Well, so there was a ruckus in the alley behind her house. And when we lived in New Mexico, they have these alleyways where the garbage is kept. Like these giant four foot around. They're not like barrels. Like community trash bins, I guess that's how you'd call it. Giant trash cans right so they got these one for every two to three houses if i remember correctly something along that yeah i think it was one no we had our own Mm, yeah because the neighbor beside us wasn't there right but if they were there they it would have been okay yeah maybe we you shared it with the neighbor typically you did yeah so okay Anyway, so there's this giant black bin, and we hear screaming. So it's like, what, 8 in the morning? Yeah, it's pretty early. Maybe 7? I mean, it's it's pretty early. So we look out, and there's an officer with his gun drawn at our trash barrel. And we're like... <laughs> Looking like, okay. And I, did I just get enough? I think I was actually off work and I was already changed. Yeah. You just, yeah. You just downloaded it and everything. So, so I said, Hey, come here, Dirk. Hey, Dirk, come here. Look at this. (laughs) And we're both like little peeping Toms, you know, looking out the window at this officer screaming at the trash barrel. And we're like, is it a dog? Is it a cat? What is this guy then, doing? Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see hands and we're like, there's somebody in our trash barrel. <laughs> and it's like, you see his hands, he stands up and you could barely see. I mean, you could see from his belly button up as he stands up and then right. he's like trying to climb out of the trash barrel and he's having issues. And the officer literally like picks him up by the scruff of his neck, <laughs> pulls him out of the trash, cuffs him up and walks him away. But that's how we started our morning. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, I just remember about the house that we had it was you know the alleys are built mainly just for large you know trash garbage men to drive through with those huge four and a half foot you know in diameter trash cans right and then you tell me that some guy's being pulled out of the trash can in the backyard and i was you know at a normal normal time you'd be like oh well that's scary but it was new mexico where everything like that happened all the time funny weird stuff But yeah, the funny part is like he had to walk the guy back to his squad car because we all know, common people know not to drive our vehicles down the alleys because there's nails and screws. And if you do drive your vehicle down it, you're probably going to end up with a flat. So here he is with this cuffed dude, you know, walking him down going, hey, man, why, you know, you could just see like, why are you hiding? Would you think I wasn't going to find you in the trash barrel? And the dude's like (laughs) trying to justify himself climbing into the trash bin. Right. Sure. He probably smelled pretty righteous because we just cleaned out our fridge so there's all kinds of nasties in that thing yeah and from what i recall it was just like a domestic violence that he you know ran away oh yeah wasn't it that a neighbor like down the street yeah it was just that oh yeah i forgot it was that yeah so he just wanted to try to get away because i think he was shirtless too he was shirtless yeah gross yep funny call of the week i mean it's I don't know if anything's happened to people like that that who are listening, but if they are, they can contact us on our Instagram or Facebook or email at two cops T W O and a donut. Thanks for letting me share that. Yeah, no problem. Um, you drew uh our little whiteboard that we're gonna be posting later. Oh yeah. The little characters on there. Yeah, I hope you guys get a kick out of that. I think it's awesome. Probably be more little drawings to come. That'll be cool. We'll see what other doodles we can come up with. (laughs) Uh, Again, thanks to Bones uh, Coffee Company for sponsoring this show. If you would like to get a bag, go to www.bonescoffee.com. 
Oh, and I just wanted to throw in, I tried that cinnamon toast coffee, bomb.com. French toast. Oh, French toast. Yeah. Well, I could taste the cinnamon in the French toast, and it was remarkably good. So I just wanted to put a little note in that, that I did enjoy that, and thank you. And I did uh, eventually try the chocolate orange Uh that uh, Teddy brewed up, and you could smell it. Oh, I could smell it. Yeah, it was super strong. Like the smell (laughs) of orange, I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's like a citrus punch to the face. It was awesome. Yeah, like, hey, wake up. Good morning. (laughs) All right, thanks, Lisa, uh, and we'll see you next week. I'll see you around the house, Dirk. (laughs) Aim for the bushes. (laughs) 